Patrice's playlist. Well, it's good listening. hopped on to this podcast episode because you know a little bit about me, but I have a feeling you might know about my special guest on this particular episode. Either way, I am super glad that you're here. I'm Patrice and this is Patrice's Playlist. I'm also the founder of Together Good Co., which is a lifestyle coaching and entertainment events company that helps single women and creatives feel seen, heard, strengthened, and primed to step fully into their own divine love story and purpose. I have my roots in live television production and curating celebrity green rooms, while also spending over a decade youth pastoring and mentoring teenagers and young adults on a weekly basis. I've personally seen how the merge of purpose and calling uh, with relationships, specifically strong uh, romantic relationships, how powerful that combination can be, especially when we are emotionally and spiritually healthy. And I've also seen the aches and the pains of Christian single women trying to navigate both worlds of purpose with the lack of having romance um, and also trying to push back burnout. And so a part of this series, uh, the Good Guy series, was birthed out of this cry that there's no good men out there, which I'm like, actually, there are, and wanting to kind of encourage our hearts that there are good men out there. And then also to the men out there, those good guys, we see you, to know that there's other guys out there um, that have similar values that are just simply good guys. And again, I preface, we're not talking about perfect guys. We're saying good guys. <laughs> so don't look for perfect guys on this podcast series, but definitely hear the heart of these really good men. And so at the end of this um, podcast episode, I'll share with you a little bit more of what I do and how I work with single women specifically, which is one of my favorite things to do to just reconnect them back to their own beauty, their joy, et cetera, et cetera. But I know that you are ready for this conversation with my incredible friend, Sean Bowles. And so I would say definitely get a journal out. You might get some gold nuggets that you want to remember. And I also pray that this gives you some fresh wisdom and perspective as you journey in um, your dating or your relationships. And, and for those that are married that are listening to this, maybe you have a single friend that you've been praying for that has a desire to get married. I would highly recommend you share this particular episode with them. I think we talk about a whole bunch of things, especially how we sort of navigate the 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 D word in, in Christian culture, dating, and and how it's kind of taboo, but it's it's very necessary, but also there's a healthy way to do it. And so Sean starts to redefine some things uh, for us, and and I kind of give some of my insights as well, and, and with my own journey. And some of you know some of my journey as well. But again, I know you're ready for this conversation with the incredible Sean Bowles. Patrice, how come you look like you're like 19 years old? You are ageless and timeless. You're amazing. I thank you. I've asked the Lord to preserve me, number one. I mean, uh, I I look like I've, I mean, we've known each other for a long time and I look like I've aged. You look like the, like younger than when I first met you. That's the Lord. Honestly, I was, <laughs> I was talking about this yesterday um, in another conversation, but I was just like, there's something about when you spend time with God and when you're in the presence 
Like I honestly, I, I've been doing this. I've been doing this. It's, it hasn't been working for me. He like he's <laughs> he's giving you special graces because I've been spending time with Jesus and it's going white. <laughs> but see, that's like that's good. Like the wisdom. You look handsome. You look great. Like I'm just like Lord, preserve me for my wedding day. See, like you, you're married. You're not out there in these streets. You know, for those of us that are still single. Uh, yes, exactly. I'm just so excited. You guys know that I am in this Good Guys series on my podcast, and it was kind of spurred on by the language that I was hearing from a lot of Christian women, women of the faith that are just like, there's no good men around. They're all Mm -hmm. taken. They're all married, et cetera. And then God has had me on my own sort of singleness journey. Many of you guys have been tracking with me on my blog for the last 10, 15 years as I've journeyed in our faith space, um, being single. And uh, you can check that out later if you want to catch the backstory. But I wanted to really have conversations with quality men that I know, that I admire, that I respect. Um, Sean Boltz and I go back. We go we go way back, Sean. Um, I, six or something? Or? Yeah, yeah. Uh, 2006, which is, how, what's the math on that? Almost 15, is that almost mm-hmm. six, 15 years ago? And um, it's been so cool to see how you've navigated um, specifically this dating realm and relationship realm with our friends, <laughs> with your friends, with, with people in Los Angeles, um, because we're both based in Southern California. But um, I just recently started internet dating, like for real, and it's like freaking me out. And I always, like, I vowed I wasn't going to do it. I was like, oh, this feels weird, blah, blah, blah. I'm not on Tinder for everyone that was <laughs> asking me before. I've been getting some really weird comments, but um, I was like, I need someone to speak into this realm of dating and relationships afresh. And, and oddly enough, this is how this conversation got birthed because a majority of the guys that I had talked to had a video chat with a virtual date with that were Christians from different streams mentioned your name, Sean. They're just like, yeah, 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 Sean. And the one guy in particular was just like, I love his casual, not, I don't want to say just casual, but like his relatable approach um, to dating. It just helped to like take the fear out of it, et cetera, et cetera. And I was just like, wow. Um, your name is still out there, Sean, um, <laughs> regarding dating and relationships. So, well, you, you know, years ago when I, I, it was right around the time when we had met, I just wrote on, remember MySpace? Yeah. That's how old I am. I'm, you were a teenager, <laughs> but I'm, I'm, you know. No, I was grown. I was, I'm totally kidding. But uh, but I, I did a MySpace blog and they hadn't done blogs yet. Blogging was like brand new. No one had done blogging, like hardly at all. So mm-hmm. MySpace had five blogs and mine was one of them. And it broke my space because like millions of people downloaded it on the dating stuff that my book came out of, which I would totally rewrite my book now, mm. but there's still some great stuff in it, but I'd still rewrite it now. But there, but no one was talking about this in a relatable way. Mm. And that's why I wrote a book. Cause I was like, I may not be an expert, but at least I can talk about connection and vulnerability and these kinds of things. So yes. I just say that because I feel like a lot of people still who are still single or anywhere from, you know, 30 to 50 yes. read those blogs yes. in the Christian world and still talk to me about it. Like, if, especially people who are like maybe either on their second real relationship or they're yep. as far as maybe they've already been married, but they're looking again, dating or, or they're just dating for the first time. Yep. They, they ask me these questions and I'm like, yeah, this is still, this is something that's real, especially in bigger cities where it's harder to date. 
Yeah, it's hard to find somebody because of our lives and careers, and then also in the COVID pandemic. In Jesus' name, find Listen. somebody is Listen. impossible Listen. unless God leads you. So it's a, I get it. Yeah, yeah. And um, again, guys, most of you know who Sean is um, in the faith space um, and also in the entertainment world. Um, but also he's known as an author, as a speaker, um, as I'd say a teacher, as a, a prophetic voice. And for me, mostly, he's just a friend that I get to catch up with in this conversation. But I do value what he has to say in this arena, because behind the scenes, you've been walking with a lot of our friends through relationships and also how did you walk through your dating relationship um because people don't realize like sean bulls like he actually he dated for a hot second he didn't like i just i want people to kind of hear some of your process and uh how did you how did you date and then get married to your beautiful wife all of us have our own unique story my my it may sound weird to some people but it's not that much more weird than somebody who chose career in their 20s or school in their 20s i just felt like god said give me your 20s and don't date anybody so I had like a really clear, like I could take you places that if you're, if you're occupied in marriage right now, you won't be able to go, which now I fully understand that being married. And I had a great twenties. It was an incredible experience. And then when I was around 30, I mean, I was, I was planning to move out to LA. I hadn't moved out yet. And I was like, I need to be married. Like I want to be married now. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't want to do this alone. And uh, so I dated a few people. Most of it was people who set me up on blind dates and it was a disaster because they were beautiful people who I, yeah. you know, like the inward, outward, everything, but they had a lot of issues. Most of it was they, they knew me as a minister. So they wanted to be discipled, mentored or daddy issues or whatever were coming up. Right. And I had issues. So like, I didn't even know what issues I had. I had some connection issues with people and I didn't know what those were, but uh, mm. when I'd be with somebody else, I would cause a bad reaction, I should say. And mm-hmm. uh, not that we fought or anything. It wasn't even dramatic. It was just like, this isn't going to work. I feel like now I'm all of a sudden your pastor. Yeah. I'm not your, I'm not the boyfriend. I don't feel like you think I'm a good looking guy. I think you're looking for somebody who's safe. And so uh, I thought there was some rejection in there in my heart and stuff, because I was like, how am I ever going to get married when I have a reputation in ministry, which is one of the worst ones to have when you're trying to date. Yeah. 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 And I had a personal world that I wouldn't date anyone in our own church. So wow, I didn't date really? anybody from, cause I planted a church. I mean, everybody yep. looked at me. I was like, it'd be so easy. Like there was like six pastors and you knew because you were here before me yep. that dated everyone in their church. Yep. And I'm like, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to be really safe for the people in our church. So I was like, God, I don't know how you're going to get around this. And so I dated um, a few times in my thirties, like probably six times in my thirties, uh-huh. um, once or twice sort of serious, once more serious. And it just wasn't, it wasn't hitting. It just wasn't, it wasn't it. Mm. I remember one of the people I was really infatuated with and we had a great relationship. There's not any drama at all. Nice. And then a friend of mine confronted me and said, I got married out of infatuation. I'm currently going through a divorce. You're infatuated. She's infatuated. You guys are in love. And I think you're going to head for a divorce because when you meet each other in marriage for real, you're going to not like each other. Whoa. So I kind of put it to the test. Like I started to ask more real questions and go deeper with this person. Mm -hmm. And it scared me. I was like, oh my gosh, you were like, we are not compatible. Like you are, yeah, it just was, I, I ended up breaking up with her. But um, then Sheree came along, my current wife, and Sheree was from Vegas and a little bit of a wild card. She's, yeah. you know, just has a, she's just her own person. You know, like yes. I, I always laugh about Sheree because even um, when she was going through some of the the harder stuff in her life before I knew her, uh-huh. she had a strong sense of who she was and identity, personal identity, even though it's not like necessarily like I know everything I'm going to do or on my destiny or that, that stuff wasn't all there. And some people were always trying to lead me to somebody who could give me 
a one-up value, which people do that to girls all the time. Like marry yes. a businessman, marry a guy who will provide for you, marry a guy yes. who will do not marry the person who's going to make your life better that way. Marry the person you fall in love with and you'll make yeah. life better together. Take because I notes. feel like there's this, there's this weird pressure to get married to somebody who would match your career or match your absolutely you know, at your status or whatever, whatever that means to you, yes. which there's a lot of ego in that statement. So I had died to all that and said, I'm just going to, I'm going to find the right person who I want to do life with and want to be my best friend. They don't have to be an accomplisher. They don't have to be a producer. They don't have to be somebody wow. who is, um, has huge ambition for goals in life. And before that I was looking for somebody who had something. So, cause I've established this. So I want someone who's established this or I'm yeah. not going to marry them. Well, Sheree came along and, um, and I met her at her church in Las Vegas uh -huh. and I was just super attracted to her and my friends around us who you knew a lot of them. I mean, they yeah. were, you know, the expression people back in yeah. the day, yeah. they were like, why aren't you going to ask Sheree out? Why aren't you going after Sheree? And I was like, I don't know. I don't want another long distance relationship. And has she ever moved to California? Maybe. Well, she ended up moving in with my best friends, Hona and Jennifer uh, Toledo. She moved yeah. in with them because her best friend, Lauren, who's still one of our best friends to this day, um, lived with them at the time and, and was trying to become a makeup artist. So Shri yeah. ended up moving in with them. Hona called me. Hona didn't know anything about Shri. He's just like, hey, there's a girl from Vegas. I think you know her. Name's Shri. She just moved in with us. I was like, oh, I'm going to come over and say hi. And it's like, you haven't come over in a month. Like, why are you coming over and saying hi? Well, I don't know. I just, I'm going to welcome her. He's like, you didn't do that to Lauren. What's going on? I'm like, nothing's going on. And I go over there. I'm like, well, I know that you just moved here. You don't have a lot going on. But what do you say we go out to lunch and you tell me your story? Because I knew like she was, yeah. and she's like, oh, I like this. He's being assertive, you know, because he's, even the way he's saying this, he's kind of put me into a place of like, you're going to reject me by saying no, if yeah. you say no. And so yeah. we went out and, and for six weeks, we had this romance that was real, but also very, we were in performance for each other because I was trying to be the right boyfriend. I wanted oh. to be attractive. I wanted to be connected. I didn't want to be, I didn't want the Christian, I love my Christianity, but I didn't want the Christian religious part to be a part of it. I didn't yeah. want my ministry to be a part of it, anything else. And then she was trying to be the trophy girlfriend. Like she sure. was trying to be the right person. And her dad had just been diagnosed with ALS, which is a terrible disease. Oh my word. passed on away. It's just, it was terrible. And then she couldn't find a job. It was kind of during the recession time she moved here. She, just all kind of stuff. So she was going through a hard time. And we ju I just got done preaching at church and we went out to the alcove. If you remember the alcove over in Yes. We went over to the alcove, which we had to redeem it after this because we're sitting across from each other. I'm having a great day. I want to talk to her about like some big plans. And she looks at me and goes, I need, I don't think this is working out. I need to break up with you. I'm like, what's not working out? Like we're doing great. She's like, we're not doing great. I'm not doing great. I, for myself, I need to break up and I'm so sorry. And I had a driver somewhere. I had a driver to her car or something at church. And I remember just the whole time going, who are you? Wow. Like, why would you do that? Why would you blow up a perfectly good start to a relationship? Yeah. I was so offended because I'd never been broken up with that in my heart, I was done, like done forever. Yeah. And my mom randomly calls me and says, hey, uh, your sister told me, you know, my sister Jennifer yeah. Yeah. told me that you and Sheree broke up. What happened? And I just said, I just think she has issues. And I think, well, my mom said, well, I had issues before your dad and I uh, got married and, and your dad loved me really well. And, uh, and the issues didn't matter to our marriage. And I think that, um, oh. I think she's, she's someone you should consider because I think she could be the one for you. And I'm like, I will never date that woman again. And you oh. need to stop it. Oh. You know how we get when we're hurt or jaded or if you're, no, especially if you're strong, if you're, I mean, I'm pretty alpha in some ways. So I'm like, uh-uh, like this, this woman, no, there's no chance. Yeah. Well, we were broken up for two years. Two years. Sean. 
What? It was two years? It was, it was that long? Years. I didn't realize and that. she stayed in the church where I'm the pastor the whole time. So I had to see her. Because she was like, uh, I'm not trying to reject you. I just don't think our relationship is right right now. And so she went through a lot on her own journey. We talked every once in a while, just at church. Yeah. Uh, it was hard because I dated a girl in that two years. And I remember just, I was hugging her one time, goodbye. And I was I was about to kiss her. I was like, I don't want to kiss this girl because she's not like Sheree. And I'm like, what am I thinking? And I ran and got in my car and I never talked to that girl again. I feel bad for her because I never even talked to her again after that date because I felt so weird about yeah. how I hated it. Like that that little shame trigger. And I, <laughs> I don't even know where that girl is. I'm sorry if she's watching. Oh my God. Listen. Oh my gosh. Okay. First, I first, I just want to interject really quick. I just want to say hi to some people that have dropped in that are leaving you comments that are tracking with your conversation and love hearing from you, Sean. Um, Sarah Booyer, I see you. Alex, I see you. (laughs) Paulina. Um, Allison Child, I see you. Osea, I see you. See you, Nathaniel Wayne. Thank you for tracking with us. Um, appreciate you guys. Um, if you just do it, hit a like or a love or something on there. I can see your name. If you leave a comment, I can uh, give you a shout out. And if you have a question pertaining to this topic as we're going along, feel free to leave a comment. This is happening live, everyone. This is happening live. So, so um, hi Wesley, we see you. Okay, people people are showing up for this. Okay, and I see all your little hearts and, and all those things that you guys are throwing up too. You guys are getting Thank some real behind the scenes like info on his, like y'all didn't know. <laughs> y'all didn't know. And so I'm, I'm sorry, I had cut you off, Sean. I'm so sorry, but you no, were talking about, good. we bless the girl wherever she's at. You had to run away from her. Um, yeah. you, couldn't, you couldn't kiss her. People are probably, their minds are probably blown right now because they're just like, wait, Sean, like, he like dated and it wasn't like smooth. He didn't just get like a word and then it was just all done I, and wrapped up in a bow. No, and you have to, I'll, I'll tell another story about that in a few minutes about hearing yeah. God for marriage because that's a hard one for everybody. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I feel like half my friends have struggled with, they got a wrong word, it didn't lead to a marriage. And then, you know, another half of my friends who are married are like, God showed me one of them. And so it's hard because it's even when you have a word, it's hard to navigate it. Uh, and so yeah. we can talk about that another way. Yep. But just to kind of finish the thought. So after about a year and a half, Sheree asked if we can go out and just connect. And she said, this is not about dating. I just want to, I was not at a healthy place when we were dating. And I feel like I'm at a great place now. And I just had some work to do. And I just want to kind of show up and I miss our friendship. We, we've we been friends for two years before we were dating. And we just, we have real chemistry. I mean, she's my best friend in the world. We have real chemistry and we knew that. But I kept blowing her off because I was afraid of her. Because now I was, I was afraid I couldn't be friends. I didn't know how to tell her that. I had to either be in relationship or not in relationship. Wow. And I was afraid of being in relationship with her because of rejection. So um, so finally I said I would go out with her, but at this point I had blown her off like four times. So she was coming in, like she had the like head rolling thing. She was gonna come confront me about being flaky and whatever, but she didn't know there was some more stuff going on. But she had had a prophetic dream. And in the dream, God rebuked her and was like, you need to listen to Sean in his heart. And you need to tell him you're sorry for not being available to him in a real way and for not fighting for the relationship. And um, oh. because you fought for some other relationships that weren't healthy and he saw that, but you didn't fight for him. And so he's offended and he's hurt and you need to tell him he's worth fighting for. Yeah. So she came, we go to the Starbucks in Glendale, right by our old church and, you know, like just sitting in Starbucks together, we're talking and she drops on me. Hey, I, this is kind of a serious, but I just want to tell you, I'm not trying to bring engaged relationship, but I want to tell you where I was at and that you're worth fighting for. I'm going to tell you as a woman you're worth fighting for. And I start crying. Now I'm, I'm historically not a crier. So like I was so touched, but I had just been reading Brene Brown and all yeah. these uh, neuroscientists. And like, I've been, I'd been to counseling and therapy for a while. So I was more connected in my heart, but it wasn't necessarily like, I'm not a crier still. 
So I'm like, but I just told her about, you know, I'm learning how to be vulnerable in a way yeah. that my father never was. And I, although my father's amazing. And, um, but I'm learning how to be in touch with my needs, what I need to tell people, whatever. So we're having a really deep talk. And then she tells me that she throws out on me and I'm like, and I'm crying. I'm like, my eyes are leaking. I'm trying not to. And I'm so embarrassed. But at the same time, I'm like, oh my gosh. And she goes, somehow we ended that day. And she said, can we see each other one more time soon? Because this was so intense. I just had fun. And I said, yeah, let's do it. So I had invited her to go like to Granville in a movie. And so we went to Granville and we stayed for six hours and just talked. And the guy who was waiting on us kept saying, you better be dating her. Cause if you're not, I'm asking her out. Cause like she kept oh. going to the bathroom or whatever, you know, she had to go beat her parking meter and stuff. Yeah. So I was like, you know, maybe I do need to go out with her. So I, I called her up and I said, Hey, or maybe I forgot how I told she would, she would know exactly. Cause my wife yeah. was the detail person, but I said, I can't go out with you another time unless we, we move things forward towards a relationship because you're, oh, you know what? We were going to a Hollywood Bible study I was going to teach a third time. Wow. And I said, I can't just be with you and just hang out. Can you watch this TED Talk of Brene Brown with me? We watched The Power of Vulnerability. Yeah. And I said, this is what I want from somebody I'm going to marry. I'm going to have connection vulnerability. Hmm. And I just want you to know, I can't stay where we're at in friendship. I can't, it either has to move forward or I can't see you anymore because you're too amazing. And she goes, okay, let's try it. And she goes, I need, I need spiritual and uh, emotional connection, but I also need physical connection. I need to feel like I'm fully able to uh, be attracted to and engage somebody who's safe, where it's not like all sexuality, where it's like we can really know each other. And she goes, in, in a lot of my, she's, she was a virgin when we got married, but a lot of her past relationships, the men were really aggressive physically and the whole thing. So mm -hmm. she's always having to put up boundaries. And I'm like, I have such a natural boundary in that area. Wow. It was so easy for her until we were engaged. And I was like, I'm going to fail because I'm marrying <laughs> you. She had to put up the boundary after that. And I was like, but before I was engaged, I was like, I will protect you. I will hold you. As soon as yeah. we're engaged, I'm like, You're let's right. elope in Vegas tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> tomorrow. I asked her every, every day we got together, I asked her if we can elope so I could stop having a boundary. But, um, but you know, like up until, up until um, that moment, she, she didn't know if someone would fight for her purity that way and just like hold her and just, wow. So it's really, and, and if she could be express attraction and affection without being violated or whatever. So we had a really cool come to Jesus talk and then we were just dating again, but it was so natural that this time there was no performance. There okay. was no fighting. Okay. We were honest with each other. We didn't really have a lot of conflict. We just said, Hey, I was hurt when you said this or when this happened. Sure. And they'd be like, Oh, I'm so sorry. Like, let's do that differently. Like, how do we want to do that differently now? So I feel like two things. We were older when we were dating, so it was a little easier. Okay. Because we had a number of identity things settled. Like I even had some career things like I didn't need to put a career in front of her. I was like, I'm ready to be with someone. And so yeah. career will be a part of that, but it's not, it doesn't have to be a dominator. So I've yeah. never gone through a midlife crisis in my thirties. I didn't need to worry about it. I was 38. Yeah. I think I'm ready. Yeah. Number two is that we, we really were on a learner's journey. So we're both learning all the time, mm. about our hearts, about our soul, about our spirit. So we shared that with each other where it's like, she was going through her dad dying actively. And remember yeah. point, she said, I wish he wasn't dying while we were dating and now engaged. And I said, but the, I'm glad God brought me in your life at this time because wow. when we're married, my parents are going to die at some point. And I'm glad I get to agree with you and carry this life journey with you. It's a journey moment. Oh, and yeah, I'm, that's I'm beautiful. Learn and how to grieve for my parents. So this wow. is actually something that I'm glad we're together for, even though I hate this for you and I hate this for us. Yeah. And so it was one of those things where we learned how to be vulnerable because before she'd hold me away from that stuff uh -huh. and not share it because she didn't want to put her pain on me. But now yeah. she learned how to share her pain and share her place. Wow. Like, you know, 
love so and good. celebration. So, so it was really the foundation. The second time was the right foundation. Wow. And I won't tell the story, but she went, once we got engaged two weeks afterwards, she goes, I had a word from God when we first got married. I had a vision that we were getting, I, when we first saw each other, I had a vision that on, of us on our wedding day. And I'm like, what? After this is after <laughs> I pursued her the whole time. Me, right. I had already got engaged to her. And then she tells me this. And the right. friendship cluster knew this, but I didn't know this. And so it's so funny that I'm like, what? Are, why didn't you tell me at some point? She goes, well, I didn't, I was working myself out. I had to work out. Yeah. Stuff, you know, and I'm like, okay. Wow. I think, Sean, that's so important for people to hear that there was a working out of this this beautiful story and even though Cherie had a word a, she had a vision yeah. um and I think it's interesting that like she had that and like you didn't necessarily have like a thus like we'll talk about this yeah we'll talk about that you know soon but like yeah again that you you guys end up dating a second time two years later and that <laughs> second time is like that's that's what brought about all of, I mean, where we are now, you're married now to Cherie and you guys have beautiful two, is it, how many two daughters do you have now? Two, two daughters, two beautiful daughters, six and seven year old. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, a lot of people have joined us. Ebony. I want to say hi to you. Hello, hello. <laughs> Kim, um, will Lisa, I hope I'm saying your name, right. Um, Marlo, Joshua, Leanne, um, Christina, Miriam G, um, Jerome Bula from Fiji. I see you. Nice. Awesome. Thanks for joining us, you guys. Um, there were so many, I'm taking notes, by the way. And I always, <laughs> listen. I always encourage um, anyone that's on these conversations with me to have like a pen and paper or have their phone out just to start taking like, cause you are dropping a lot of wisdom nuggets. Um, hi, Paul Dancer. I see you as well. Um, but there was so many nuggets that you dropped in this, which one hit me specifically when you're talking about, you weren't looking for someone that needed to be a producer because you were sort of healthy now in that particular way. And you weren't looking for someone to produce or to match like your, now this is what I hear a lot in our, in our faith space. Like, you know, someone that's going in the same direction as you and that has the same purpose as you like, oh, I don't agree at all. Let's go there. I don't agree. Let's I did. I did agree that it was an idealism in my twenties. And, and then when I started dating in my thirties, I was like, okay, so I'm a minister. So if I'm going to marry someone and I'm pretty successful, so I'm going to marry someone who has a similar sphere of success somewhere, probably a musician or an entertainer, possibly a minister. Sure. And I wouldn't marry them if they didn't. I believed that like yeah, for a yeah. while. And I dated yeah, a lot of people us, who were uh, yeah, for like sure. that. And it was really interesting because when I remember, I think it was 34 or 35, I can't, I can't tell you the time, but it was a couple years before I actually started dating Sheree and, and, I mean, it was a year before. And I remember God just saying, you know, what do you want in life? What, what gives you the most joy? And I thought about Hona, who was my, you know, is still my best friend. But for five years, he traveled with me as my assistant. Or maybe three years. He traveled with me as my assistant. He couldn't write in English. He's from Guatemala. He couldn't speak very clear English to a lot of people. He got on the phone and he got nervous and stuff. And he was my assistant. He was the worst assistant in the world. But he brought me so much joy and he moved with me in the spiritual tracking of my life wow. and was one of the strongest supporters I ever had in my heart journey. And so mm -hmm. like, I realized like Hona does not bring great production value to my life to make my life happen more, but the oh. companionship and the love I had for Hona and that he did later, later in life, he did manifest. I mean, now he's the senior pastor of the church I planted, you know, with his wife. Yeah. So like later he brought massive production value, but I didn't even know that was possible because Hona was just a free spirited, you know, 
Guatemalan who has still has one of the thickest accents ever, you know, like yeah. he is this, he's, he's he awesome. did not convert to being a Western world American. He converted to, I'm an American who's still very Guatemalan, which I love that about him. He didn't give it up, but uh, his kids make fun of him all the time for it, which is great. But you know, like Hona, like when I remember the Lord asked me, like, like at the time, Hona was of course pastoring, doing all kinds of things that were valuable, but he, um, he was just my friend. He just had my heart. And God was saying, do you want somebody who has your heart and does life with you? Or do you want somebody who works for you? And I'm like, whoa, Jesus. I mean, oh. it's true. That's what a lot of people want. Somebody who's their work partner. And I'm like, you can hire a work partner. You can go into business with somebody. You can get somebody like if you've had a good business arrangement or partnership, go get that. But like, if you want somebody who's going to do life and make big decisions over heart issues because they see you like that is not your business partner. Maybe, maybe you're lucky. I mean, Sri and I are business partners now, but, but that's not like, that's not what we married for. And so I feel like I had this like ego that was like, I've accomplished this and I need somebody to accomplish it. And yes. when I laid down that ego, I was able to see someone, a Sri, who was a powerful person who I would have never accomplished what I've accomplished now without Sri, but she wasn't in the midst of that accomplishment, right? So she's not in the midst of like where the world could see anything, that same value, but I could see it. And so if I had sacrifice seeing that moment like well that you know no she needs to be further along in her journey that would be so sick that would be so because we're called as christians especially to see people for who they are not for who they're not we're called to see them after god's eyes and his heart and his love which means sometimes they haven't manifested it yet and we are the part of what manifests it. and so now that we've been married you know uh we're going on almost this will be our our ninth i guess our ninth anniversary is coming up so nine years in it's it's not only have we multiplied since we've been married and what we could accomplish together, but there's some decision making that's been on Sharia's that, you know, I don't believe in traditional head of the household we've been partnering. And God so many times has put leadership directions on her life for us, for projects I've worked on, when to release things, mm -hmm. what to have out there. And then a lot of the behind the scenes stuff that I've just never seen anyone operate at such a high level. Mm. Uh, helping to impart an operational structure, helping to mm. impart management culture, this kind of mm -hmm. stuff that we've had for our organization. Mm -hmm. And so I'm, I'm just grateful that I didn't settle for an idealism, Sean. but actually married somebody who, and then it showed me how much development I didn't have in my life. Like I was really strong at a gift. I was really strong in some ministry stuff and some organizational stuff, but I wasn't really strong in a lot of heart issues. And there was a lot of areas that I was not, that she's masters and relationship communication connection and that's what i was trying to go after but i didn't have i mean i didn't have a model of it even like boundaries i was you knew me then i was terrible at boundaries everyone was my best friend whoever i was with was like my favorite person i didn't and then the people who were i was supposed to be doing that more connected journey with didn't know who they were because i was spread so thin you know and like yeah. sheree taught me boundaries she taught me what to say yes to so i could say no a million times to other things oh, and so like i feel like a lot of times we're looking for the person at base value, we're supposed to be looking for the person at heart value. And that was totally different for me. Okay. I know somebody <laughs> wrote that wisdom nugget down. I literally, Sean, I can't, I can't even, uh, y'all, um, people have been chiming in. There's a wow. There's, that's great. There's, there's a lot of things happening. Um, but you know, I just, I've been feeling conviction, um, just sweet, beautiful conviction about my motives in wanting a mate and I you've touched on it and you your language is so much better than mine but it was just like I was looking for somebody mainly for function and not for love like what you know for a function 
mm-hmm. not for the person. And so I think the way that you just simply shared your heart right now, like I, I know y'all are taking notes on this one. Everyone. Well, I'll say even I'll go deeper. When I was surrendering, I remember just saying, like, I felt like God was like, what if the person has a happy career at Target and they just love working there, but they would be fully on board with your heart on the heart journey the spiritual journey side of things. Wow, come Like on. what if they do 40 hours a week there, but they just love and they love it and that's their thing. And I'm like, that come used on. to offend me. Not that Target workers offend me, but I mean like, <laughs> If you're just in a retail job and that's your whole ambition for yes. life and you do that for 30 years, yeah. you know, it's like, and some people may feel that about a nurse versus a doctor. Some people may feel that about, you know, somebody who owns a small business versus a large business. It, it, mm-hmm. it, the scale is the same, even if it's the same problem, even if it's different, so, you know, scenarios. Yeah. And I had to lay down my agenda for the person who could be my spouse, that they are not going to work for me. They're not going to work to make my practical life you know, this exalted thing, but that they're, we're going to work together at doing that. And that was a bit, I mean, I, it, it, I had to die to something. I remember when I died to it, I was like, wow. And my friendship circle remember when I died to it, because I think they had a wrong standard in that. And when I was communicating my heart, they were like, oh yeah, this person hasn't arrived yet that I'm dating and they're safe and I'm going to get married. We had so many marriages right after that, but I felt I was holding some of our community back because I had this weird thing that I didn't even know I was putting out there. Like, you know, wow. Cadillacs attract Cadillacs, that kind of thing. You know, it's like, ugh. <laughs> Somebody needed to hear that. Again, Barbara Dumont, I see you. I see that dang that she wrote in the comments. Uh, Jerome said gold, man. That was gold, what you're sharing. Um, yeah, I just feel like it is, it's recalibrating my heart um, to God's heart on the matter, which is what, I, this is what I'm wanting for us, you guys, as we listen to these conversations, for us to be encouraged and for our heart to, to truly know the goodness of our father of God in this, um, as we step out into relationships, into dating and into marriage. And, you know, I was having this conversation recently too, you know, many of us are older now in the dating game. And for me, I'm, I was never a big dater. I didn't really date. Um, I was on the camp of like, I'll know that I'll know when I know there's no, there's no room for exploring or discovery. Um, I remember, um, I think somebody, I don't know if somebody gave this book to me, but it's by, um, the amazing Miles Monroe. Um, some of you know who that guy is. And he wrote this book called Waiting and Dating. And I was so offended, I think, at the title at the time when somebody gave this to me or when I picked it up. Like, I, I just remember throwing it across the room. Like, you <laughs> need a date, you know, especially, you know, if we, we have faith and we know and we know. And I think some of that is also really controlling. But I want you to kind of chat a little bit about prophetic words in our faith space. Some people are are kind of like, this is like, what are you talking about? Like prophetic words, but let me just break it down really quickly. Um, in our charismatic uh, movement, a lot of times people will say that God told them that this person is going to be their their husband or their wife, or that they had a dream and um, they feel like they need to obey that prophetic word, or they can't make a move um, forward with the person until they have some sort of supernatural event. And so for a lot of folks in the church, that's held people back from even asking for coffee dates for even um, moving forward just to initiate something because there's just been this fear sort of around, I need to know that I know, or I need this, this, yeah. this prophetic word. And so um, I guess before we s- talk about the prophetic word, how do you define dating? And then can you kind of swoop us into like the prophetic word about marriage and all that stuff? Yeah, I, I just, I just I'm, I'm rehearsing and rehashing, you know, conversations. I, it has to be over literally 300 guys I've, I've sat down to talk to about dating. 
over the last 25 years and just, okay, let's talk about, you know, like getting them out of having to know who the one was and just being able to explore. So I think dating is anytime you're trying to get to know somebody and they're mutually trying to get to know you for the sake of being interested, for mm -hmm. the sake of shared chemistry. It could be emotional, spiritual, sexual, uh, 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 where's the one? Soul. Soul, <laughs> Heart. yeah. Heart. You know, I guess it's emotional. And um, so anytime you're trying to get to know somebody, and especially when you're intentionally saying, I'm trying to get to know you for this, that becomes dating. Now, whatever you call that, it still is dating. It's still a form of courtship that happens or whatever you want to call it. And so I think, um, you know, the, the more clear we could be in our communication of what we're trying to do is better. You know, like, let's get, let, hey, I'm interested mm -hmm. in this. Let's get to know each other. Mm -hmm. Shouldn't be like, I see you at the altar today, but it should be, you know, I'm interested. Mm -hmm. I, I feel spark. Let's, let's go for it. Let's, let's spend some time together. It shouldn't be scary. Mm -hmm. And, or, or, Hey, I, I'm just interested in you. Let's have lunch or let's do a zoom call or whatever. I think that that shouldn't be scary and we shouldn't be rejected when it doesn't turn into after a couple of interest meetings, you know, like it doesn't work out. And I did that some with people. Um, we have a fight or flight kind of response. Yes. But we also have a like me, like me, not response. Mm. That is every single human has it. This is in neurology where immediately, if you don't get serotonin, if you don't get something released in, in your brain chemistry, then you might say, I don't like this person. And the reality is, is that a lot of people, when they were doing studies on people who are married, a lot of people had the like me not uh, hormone released or the feeling released in that moment and didn't end up liking the person until they spent real time with them. That wasn't around what they thought should happen. So the like no. me, like me not hormone is a liar. Like, you know, the, the neurological response is a liar. And as a matter of fact, they did uh, a test. I love this one. You can look this up on Psychology Today um, where a couple people have written about it, where they took soldiers home from war and they put them in the same room with each other and they mm -hmm. had them ask a various series of questions and all the soldiers didn't like each other at face value because they were just traumatized mm. and they'd ask them things like what was your favorite pet growing up and by the time the last question was um who uh, tell us about your father and your relationship with your father and by the time they got there they felt like old friends who'd gone to war together so they all the like me like me not stuff was gone so just a series wow. of questions allowed them to experience each other and get past our I think it's a protective mechanism after the fall that we're wired with of like, mm. I don't know if this is right for me. And so sometimes we take it, the spiritual charismatic Pentecostal camps take it as a check in the spirit. Mm -hmm. We're like, this might be God, mm -hmm. which I think it lies to us is that initial reaction isn't always, is sometimes a liar. So I think getting to know people, valuing them, it takes three to five times with someone to even get a feel for who they are anyways. So wow. committing to, you know, maybe if you're online dating to talk to somebody five times before you give up. Just because you're going to get to know yourself, you know, why not? Why not talk to them? Like say, hey, can yeah. we have, let's just do an experiment just even for the sake of building connection. Can we spend five times, like every Wednesday for five weeks together mm -hmm. and read a book together, do something together because you're going to get to know them differently than if you're yes. trying to intentionally tell me all about your family structure. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what are you so good. about? You know, like just good. being normal with someone. So you build a rapport and chemistry first and. I didn't do that until Sheree. I, I feel like the other girls I was like dating and trying to like, there was so much on the table in my heart and every conversation we had. Mm -hmm. I, I love looking back now with Sheree that after we got past the first time dating when I had that and we dated healthily the mm -hmm. second time, I didn't come to every date with have a series of questions about our children that I needed to ask. How are you wow. kids? I didn't have any of that. I was like, we'll figure that all out. I just want to know this person and be connected to her because she's valuable. And yeah. versus... I want to come here because I'm trying to get some need met. I'm like, I want to come here and like, I want to know her. I want to, I want to, this could be the most serious relationship of my life. And I want to know her first. And if, I, if, I, if 
if I like what I'm knowing, then I can start to connect all the pieces. Mm. If I don't like this core of what I'm knowing, then I'm not going to connect those pieces anyway. So why even bring them up? Why mm. talk about, you know, your family structure and your, how you're going to raise kids and what you think about this theology, what, like, well, who cares? Or what do you think about this life choice or whatever else? It's like, I've seen people break up about, you know, political issues before they've even got to the heart. And I know people who are married, who are Catholics and Christians together, who are Republican Democrats together. It doesn't matter. Yeah, exactly. You know, people who are on different racial ends of the spectrum who are still white and black together or Mexican mm -hmm. and white together. Like I've seen that and, and it still works because love helps you to overcome things that used to be majors, they become minors when it comes to God calling you to love someone. So I think I'm, mm -hmm. I, I just am a little different in the way I would define dating. Wow, that is powerful. People are uh, checking in. I see those likes that you guys are putting up there. Um, I see uh, Deborah, <laughs> I see your fire emoji. Uh, Barbara, I see you again, Jerome. Um, again, John CM Barnes, thanks for joining us. Um, and a few others I see. Yeah, I see all your guys's uh, likes and loves. Thank you so much for just um, tracking with us. And so you were talking about dating and you also talked to, well, can you, you sort of already included this about the one. Um, how, what are your, th this is always controversial when I like. Bring this up. <laughs> it's oh, a good one. My word. I, I think I'm, I think I'm the most balanced on it. Ready? Okay. Give it to us. I think, I think some people need to know from God because of maybe father wounds or because of other things they need, they need better indicators than others. Okay. But I think people for the most part don't need God to tell them directly who they're going to marry when he does tell them it's a gift because of the purpose on the marriage might be part of why they're getting married. Maybe it's because mm. they're going to highlight the marriage. They're going to do some things together and they need to know there's an assignment beyond just being married couple. There's an assignment for their marriage to do some things in their life. Mm. Uh, sometimes he does it because he's sovereign and he just wants to show something that speaks of his goodness and his majesty. Wow. Just like we all haven't heard from God where to move or, or which house to move into or which apartment to move into which is also a big decision. We're yeah. not all going to hear who we're supposed to marry. Now, here's the bigger thing. This is why I like my philosophy. When you're 16, your father's supposed to help you and your mother's supposed to help you. So your caregivers are supposed to help you decide who to spend time with. If it's getting in balance, they help put boundaries up. When you're yeah. eight, they're telling you not to date. When you're 16, they're helping you negotiate your heart in romance. That guy's using you. That that girl's, yeah. you know, she's, she's controlling, whatever. When you're 20... Your parents may still give you some advice. They may help you. But if they're controlling you, it's obvious and it's not healthy. When you're 30, if your dad has to tell you who to marry, it makes him look bad as a father. That means he didn't develop enough identity inside of you to where and he didn't he didn't give you enough of himself to where you know how to make decisions. Wow. So the majority of us don't need a father to tell us who to marry because it makes our father, a natural father and mother, look better when we choose out of health and balance that we've grown up in because of their wow. household. Then if we just have to have them tell us, Dad, should I date them? What do you think about them? I'm so scared. That speaks of something that didn't get resolved when you were 16. That should have been done. Now, if you feel like, don't feel condemnation or shame if you're listening to this and you're like, but I need to know still, you may be on a journey where your heart needs to develop some more and that's okay. That's, mm -hmm. it doesn't speak. That could speak of your parents made bad choices and they didn't mm -hmm. raise you right. They didn't raise mm -hmm. you with health and tools that you need. And so you, yeah. the good thing is if uh, there's disappointment where we feel like, oh my gosh, I don't have tools in certain areas, but all of us have tools missing in certain areas. It's just true. So we have to develop those things. Yeah. So if you have some tools missing, you may be looking for God to speak to you mm -hmm. instead of looking for the tool. And you need Ooh. the tool. The tool is more important than God speaking. The tool is, where is my picker broken? 
And how do I develop my picker so that I'm looking like how, how do I develop my sense of my own identity and my identity of wanting somebody else and not just wanting the famous person, the beautiful person or the mm-hmm. person has a career or whatever it is that I've been wanting before that's not working for me. I date and I measure them against like, they're not successful. I'm not going out with them again. Ooh, mm-hmm. they, they told they, their sense of humor gets on my nerves. I'm not going out with them again. It may be that somebody you marry has the worst sense of humor for you. You do not like their jokes. I, if you look around my room, there's Thanos. There's Iron Man I have <laughs> in my entire office. My wife at first was like, I married a nerd. He's a closet nerd. I had no idea. He's a nerd. He loves video game. I knew that, but I didn't know he liked toys. Yeah. And then now she buys them for me. She partners to it. But if, if before, if she had idealism and said, that speaks of immaturity. He's a boy. He hasn't grown up. I'm writing him off. She would have missed ah, it. Right? Okay. So a lot of times we're looking at things with our picker and then we're looking to God to say, you define it. I'm advocating the responsibility to you. And God's like, heck no. I've given you heaven inside of you. I put my spirit inside of you and I'm developing you. Christ is being formed in you so that you can make powerful decisions. So why would God who wants to give you free choice and develop you like Christ, take all the power to choose from one of his favorite things he's putting in your life off of you. I just think he wants you to choose. I think he's looking at you saying, Hey, I'm going to recreate. If you choose wrongly with somebody, like let's say you chose, Mm because you're unhealthy and I've seen this happen many times, people who are really broken. Right. Married. right. And then, you know, sometimes that ends in divorce, but sometimes God comes in and says, Hey, this is your A plan. And I'm going to create it because you chose this. I'm going to put on this, the full redemptive power of the cross to make this the best thing for you. If you choose, if you keep choosing to become, mm. if you keep choosing to love each other. Mm. If I've seen, you know, we, we even have mutual friends that have, went through hell in marriage and now they're doing great. And so I think, you know, there's this thing where we're so afraid of missing it. What if I miss my age? Yes, a lot of people that? are. Yes. And I look at it and go, don't you have Jesus, who's the God who restores us as though we've never lost anything, who redeems it as if it never needed to be restored, who does all these things? Are you so afraid of missing it when you have a God who lives inside of you, who cares for you more than you care for yourself, and you're afraid you're going to miss it because, miss it. you know, I guess, I guess, I guess I'm settling with this person. And I'm like, no, that you don't deserve that person. You know, you don't deserve them. If you feel like God needs to talk to you so much, the clouds need to part and God needs to speak. He's showing, he's put inside of you the attraction or desire for somebody. Mm-hmm. And not everything's going to, like if there's a hundred points, not all hundred are going to meet. And that's what Christians are looking for is yeah. everything has to be slotted perfect. And the reality is when you get in a relationship, like 30% gets slotted perfect and the rest you got to work on. Mm-hmm. And that's the idealism that most single people don't realize is like, yeah. there is no perfect. Now, I'm not saying if the person has been, and morality in their life, or if they have a habitual addictive patterns or these kinds of things, codependency can also be a big one. Then you see that that could be an indicator to pull away until they get healthy or to be a part of that process with the right boundaries, or it could be a thing that don't even be around them anymore. I understand that, but we're just talking about normal people to normal people. And when I say, I don't want to denormalize that that brokenness, but I'm just saying like, if you're at a healthy place and the person is a healthy place and you feel like certain things don't match, welcome to humanity. Welcome to humanity. Certain Listen. things will not match. You yeah. are not that person. You are not marrying yourself. Oh, You're okay. not marrying even <laughs> anything about you. And so like with Cherie, like I remember a couple of times where I'm like going, I don't like that about her. And I had to ask myself the question, why? Because that's not how I would do it. 
And I like the way that I do it. I like the way that I feel when I do it. And I like the peace I have when I do it. I don't have to go, but I like the result of what she does. And Ooh. there's nothing wrong with her process. She's not being controlling, wrong, manipulated, any of these things. Yeah. She just does it differently. And I want yeah. her to do it my way. And it's this, you see it in TV shows where it's like, you didn't load the dishwasher right, blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, because we all have our own process. And I like the way I load the dishwasher. And I'll even take control of dishes because I want the dishes to be clean the way I do them sometimes. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I'll do that in marriage. It's just true. And yeah. she'll do that with the laundry. She hates the way you do laundry, so she'll <laughs> take control of it. But that is not a compatibility issue. Come on. Uh, it's not a moral issue. It's not an integrity issue. It's humanity. And so I think that that's one of the parts that we want those things to feel so holy. And we're two human beings sharing the same space. And there's going to be rubs mm. and things like that. Sure. And, you, and you face those in marriage. You, I mean, in dating, you feel things that people are like, ew, yeah. you're supposed to feel that. And you're supposed to count the cost and go, is that actually that big of a cost? Maybe mm. not. The guy likes video games and toys. Who cares? <laughs> you know, like, like, does he honor his family? Is he addicted to him or not? He's not addicted to him. It's just a hobby. Who cares? He could, he could be a golfer and leave me for nine hours on Saturday every, every week. He's not. He hangs out in the house. I like it. Listen. Wait, one more thing. Yes. TikTok, it says, someone said, tell me how you know your man won't leave you. And all of a sudden it shows like people are supposed to show why their man won't leave them. And most of them are women who are showing men playing with Star Wars action figures or like <laughs> collecting something or having a Thanos glove. My wife's yeah, like, you. you're never leaving me. <laughs> <laughs> Boom, secure. She's secure. Totally. Sheree, we love you. Oh my gosh. Okay, we, <laughs> we're getting so many likes and hearts and I see you guys. Oh my gosh. Let me take a sip of water really quick. <laughs> oh my goodness. Do it. Mm. Okay. So we're rounding out our time with you, Sean. You guys, this conversation is almost over. I can't believe it. Um, we only have about 10 more minutes left um, in this conversation. If you have a pressing dating and relationship question for Sean, now is your time uh, to put it in the comment section um, on my page. I know some of you have shared this video on a variety of pages, but hopefully you are seeing the original um, and you can click to the comments on my page. Um, and so if you have a question, now is your time. I know Barbara said no for the time to almost be over. <laughs> I know it's, it's too good. But again, I'm in this series called the good guys. I want to really encourage um, you women and men that there are integrous good guys out yes. there. Um, as we're talking about the good guys, I always like to sort of hear about how you, how these different guys define healthy masculinity, because I've been studying, I've also have a relationship coach as I've been stepping out in this That's area. Awesome. Um, and it's been so life-giving for me. Like, I mean, I recommend it for anyone, if you have questions about my relationship coaching, those that are listening or watching, hit me up after this conversation. But yeah, I, um, oh, <laughs> sorry. It's just looking at some of these comments. Um, where do I want to go with this? Yeah. So I've been studying masculine and feminine polarity and the beauty of like how the Lord has made, uh, the masculine and the feminine and, and, and masculinity, I'm learning that in and of itself is not toxic. Like we've heard so much about like toxic masculinity. We've seen toxic men, but masculinity in and of itself is actually not toxic. Femininity in and of itself is not toxic. And I'm curious, how do you define healthy masculinity? And especially like in our faith space, I know that's kind of a, could get super deep or what have you, but for men that are just like, I don't. No, I haven't, I haven't been fathered 
in this way. I haven't, I don't have mentors in my life. I don't even have really great community of a lot of guys yeah. that I look up to. Um, how do you sort of I'm define- I'm a quote, but I can't find it. Oh, I'll give you some time. Um, no, it's okay. I, I know we both, we have the end of this in just a few minutes and I have another live I'm doing. I can't believe I'm doing another live today. Oh my gosh. But um, oh, I, I love this quote. I'll leave it for you later for okay. the guests. Um, but I would say, you know, healthy masculinity to me is somebody who understands um, their strength and their weaknesses and the balance, how to balance that out in the, in the moment. Vulnerable, connected in the heart, but also is okay with the fact that we're not female. We're not, we're not supposed to be female. We're not female. We have a feminine side. That means that we, we are in touch with things because God made both male and female. So we understand Absolutely. the parts of us that are nurtured. We understand that we can yeah. have friendship with women that not, we don't have to sexualize or objectify women. We have, I have some of my closest friends are still women. Sheree, mm -hmm. some of her closest friends are still guys. Mm -hmm. We are okay with that. We are mutually friends. We don't have any friends that we're afraid of in each other's lives, mm -hmm. but we, um, we should masculinity doesn't just have to dominate and have, you know, like weird relationships. We're going to have really healthy relationships. But to me, you know, God, I look at God as a father and masculine. I like the Holy spirit, more feminine. Not mm -hmm. all people do, but I look at him as more or her as more of a feminine kind of feel spirit probably because of Paul Young from the shack. Yeah. And then I look at Jesus obviously as a man. And I think that to me, there's such a gift in our masculinity. There's such a gift in being, um, out of control and in control with God. And that's what I think masculinity is. It's completely out of control. We do things that we don't even expect ourselves to do. Like we, you know, if you put two boys in a room, they're going to wrestle. They're going to jump off the highest thing. They're going to climb any bookshelf they can. Yeah. If, you, if there's no rules and restrictions, they're going to do things that surprise even them. And the mess they make will surprise even them and their parents. It's just who they are. You put two girls in a room, they may wrestle, but they're not going to stay in wrestling. They're going to do all kinds of other stuff for the most part. And I say that with my girls are totally like roughhousers, but they also, it's just different. So I think respecting who we are in our, in our um, core mm -hmm. of our belief is, and, and develop and not using attributes of being a man as excuses for why you can't be relatable to women or to other people and not hiding behind certain um, biases that you have as, as, as a gender male, mm -hmm that there's biases that we have sometimes that we're like, well, yeah. this is what it is to be man. And yes. I just think we should be able to relate to, you know, female and male as a human being in fullness. And we should learn and have the joy of learning the differences, but also not letting those differences feel like a huge gap that we need that's huge good. bridges from. That's, uh, that's perfect. Emily, I see your question and I just want to slide it in before we close. She says, how can we encourage friends who are introverts to get out there and enjoy the dating process? Well, you know, I think coronavirus is so not helpful, but helpful because now everybody has to do it in big cities. We have to do dating, right? You have to do dating over apps and stuff. And there's yep. a million new platforms that have risen up in that. And so I think, I think if you can encourage a friend who hasn't done it in a while. If they haven't done it in two to five years, that means they're not on the dating scene. So that means you can actually challenge them and say, okay, excuse me, you're rusty and now you're hiding from dating because it's hard. And I know it's hard, it's real. And so I wanna encourage you to meet three people on an online platform mm. and have five conversations with each of those three people mm -hmm. and see what happens. And because even if it's for the sake of you learning how to be available yourself, because mm -hmm. you're no longer available. Wow. This is true. Like the moment you pull out of dating, you're no longer available because you're not putting out there any kind of anything. 
Mm-hmm. And so you have to, even if it's not about the person you're meeting on that platform, mm-hmm. getting yourself reactivated causes you, it's like getting yourself awakened again, causes mm-hmm. you to be available in a way that maybe somebody from your workplace or somebody at your church or whatever will find you. But mm-hmm. if you're, you're right now, like I had so much, like I was protecting women at all costs and I didn't know how to pursue a woman. So when Sheree came into my life again, the second time I, at that point I had been out of the dating pool and she awakened it in me. And I had to like turn this part of me that was like that sexual chemistry, that man, that, you know, pursuer, I had to turn that back on. And if I could have done that a year before through, you know, Christian mingle or something and just gone on some get to know your dates and just got aware again, that would have helped. So that's for introverts. Like I'm more of an introvert that way. So that might be helpful. Yeah. Yeah. That was great. People said, uh, Barbara, you said, good point. Thank you for that. Um, this podcast is called also Patrice's playlist because I always, well, I love music and I always ask my guests what they're listening to. Um, can you tell us one or two folks that are on your current playlist that keep you inspired that, um, you know, range of music. The, this is all the non, the non, you know, Christian worship stuff that I'm listening to, which is JP Sachs. I mean, like his stuff is amazing. And then also Teddy swims. He's like this new guy that's being discovered. That's just like, he's this big old bear looking guy. That's like tattooed. And he sings ballads. He's he sings all the old ballads, but he's written some new stuff and he's so down to earth. Nice. And then, uh, Abby Smith, Yeba. I don't know. Yeah. You have to find her to listen to her, but these, this is my playlist. It's like these kind of indie artists that are going after it. And then, um, and then I just got Andrew Day, like her album, her old album has come back on my playlist like over and over and over, like all day long. Nice. So yeah, those are kind of, they're all more indie people, but not Andrew Day perfect. Else, but yeah. It's perfect. Oh my gosh. Well, Sean, I just want to thank you for taking the time to sit with me and, uh, and sit with us and share your relationship journey and about dating and the one and, <laughs> and also recalibrating, which is like my word of the season, recalibrating our hearts, um, to just health, I think too, in the Lord, and especially in our faith space and in church circles when it comes to this topic, because often for us, it's all high stakes. And, you know, what I was remembering that dating really, um, the way that I define it is, you know, friendship and connection. I mean, you're exploring and it's not your naming and claiming someone it's, you gotta know, it's like, how do you normally connect with people (laughs) in life in general? And so I love how you talked about getting healing. I loved how you like talked about that in your journey. So you've given us so much to chew on. Is there anything else you want to say, Sean, before uh, we say bye uh, to the folks? Just don't, don't take yourself so seriously that you don't actually enjoy who you are and enjoy who other people are you get to meet. Enjoy them. I I missed out on enjoying some of the stuff because I was in so much performance. Enjoy them. I enjoyed Sheree and that's why we're married and we still enjoy each other. Like she's my favorite person. She's my one. And so enjoy the people. So good. Everyone is saying thank you, Sean. Paul, we see you. Guys are awesome. See you, Uh, Sean. I know you have another uh, live to get to, so I'm gonna (laughs) gonna go. I'm gonna let you go. Thanks for asking me. Thanks for being a part of my life. I love you. (laughs) I love you too. Thank you, Sean, for doing this. So appreciate you. See you next time. All right. See you next time. Oh my goodness. I'd love to know some of your takeaways from this conversation. Like what were some of your gold nuggets that were said uh, in the conversation that are really going to stick with you and give you new perspective, 
new strength, um, renewed hope as you continue in this romance journey that God has for you. I'm really curious. And you can find Sean online, Instagram at Sean Boltz, S-H-A-W-N-B-O-L-Z. Or you can reach out to me and let me know if you had any questions or any comments about this episode at Together Good Co on Instagram. So that's Together Good and then C-O. And I'd love to know like what your thoughts are on this. And so we are continuing this Good Guys series. Um, I'm wanting to encourage the hearts of uh, single women everywhere that there are good guys out there. And to the rest of my good guys that are listening to this conversation, like we see you and there's a tribe of you guys out there. And so I just want you all to be encouraged. The men out there, I want you guys to be encouraged that you're not alone in this journey either. And so I mentioned the top of uh, the episode, you know, a little bit about me and what I do and, and how I do lifestyle coaching and I have my roots in live television production. And I mentioned that just to give you context, but to also um, let you know, like I have seen firsthand um, just with some powerful couples around me, like when purpose and like an incredible, epic, godly romance, like when those are hand in hand, like those are incredibly powerful when someone's walking in purpose and they have that person that they just they know is a godsend is from the lord that's so powerful when those are both in operation when those are both happening at the same time and then i think what's also a really cool element is when we are emotionally and spiritually healthy and so you know i've seen the aches and pains of christian single women you know trying to navigate both like going hard after purpose or even service in the church. And I was one, I was doing all the things, all the things, all the things, and basically almost burnt out. Like, you know, having a lot of church crushes and like situation friendships, what have you, where it's like, are we kind of fake dating? Are we, what, what's happening? And just getting worn out and getting discouraged. And, you know, my twenties passed and my thirties passed. And it was like, no one was asking, you know, me out. And I was like, what's going on? What's, what's happening with me? And the Lord, took me through an amazing healing journey and healing process and something shifted dramatically in terms of just the incredible good guys the men that I was all of a sudden like they were appearing <laughs> like they were coming out of the woodwork but I was like god what like what shifted what changed like men are actually asking me out and I'm getting to know guys and it doesn't have to be high stakes and and I feel like I'm you know, a step closer to, to actually being married. But what shifted for me was some incredible things. And I won't get into all that now, but basically I offer what I call the beautiful connection method for single women who love Jesus. And I love reconnecting women. And I told you this at the top of the episode to their own beauty, their joy. And I would say also their own femininity, like their, their own unique expression of femininity. And, and also this, this method is really for women that are wanting to experience revived hope and rest and joy and to find breakthrough in the romantic life. I mean, I told you like I was basically burnt out. And, and so this method and this program happens all within a supportive, prayerful and safe environment and community. And so if you're a single woman who's listening to this uh, podcast episode, or you listened um, to Patrice's playlist, you know, this we're in season three right now. And you know, something is just resonating with what we talk about, what I talk about, what I'm passionate about. And you want to cultivate or continue to cultivate a deeper connection with God and yourself and others, then I invite you to to find me at the beautiful connection method.com. 
and and there you can we can kind of get that process like started so you can just see there's no commitment there you can just kind of see what the whole vibe is um and if it's something that actually resonates uh with you so there's that single ladies and uh also single ladies there's there's more guys lined up on this good guy series and to my single guys there are some incredible women out there that you have no idea yet that exist but i am praying that there is just divine encounters divine encounters um, after you listen to this podcast episode. In fact, I just pray that you have like the best week ever. I mean, if you are doing the online dating thing that you have like a a real contender (laughs) this week. And if you are just going to the grocery store, someone actually asked, asked me out at the Trader Joe's uh, <laughs> not too long ago. And so I'm just praying for divine encounters um, for those of you that are listening that are single and that have a heart for marriage. And not everyone has a heart for marriage and I honor that and I respect that. But for those that do, you know who you are. I just want to let you know that you are seen, you are heard, your desire is is valid. And I am praying encouragement and strength over you in this season. I really do hope this conversation um, that I had with my friend Sean Boltz was a blessing to you. Let him know if there was anything that resonated um, and let me know. We'd love to hear from you. And until the next time, continue to keep spreading your own unique good into the world. We need it. And I will see you, or at least you'll hear from me on the next episode of Patrice's Playlist. Bye guys.